Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast, the show where each week we speak to pharma company owners and industry leaders sharing their stories of personal and professional growth. As always, I am on with co-host Adam Walker. Adam, how are you doing? I'm very well, James. Great to see you. Good stuff. Lovely yes, very well also. And look, this week we are going to be speaking with Esther Howard, CEO at Bezel. Esther, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. It's good to talk to you. Fantastic stuff. Well, Esther, I've given you a very quick overview of, of I, I guess, your name, your title, the, the company there. Um, but look, in true Huxley Morton podcast fashion, um, if you could perhaps give us your own overview as to, to your role, uh, your company, and a quick quick snapshot overview of, of what you do, at least, I guess, for, for the audience. Sure, sure. So I'm the CEO and founder of Bezel and um, what Bezel is a digital mental health company where we're basically trying to help people help each other. Um, the world is in a mental health pandemic right now and not just because of COVID, but for a lot of reasons. And a lot of people need help and there's a lot of great professional help out there, but um, really the most powerful way for us to get the help we need is to help each other and learn how to do that. So that's what our company is setting out to do and, and try to, to help help the world with. Amazing stuff. Well, it's a subject close to our heart at the moment. Um, I guess Adam and I have been having several uh, conversations with people purely on the subject of mental health outside of, um, I guess, you know, the regular format that we run through here. Um, but look, I, I guess in terms of your background, uh, then, you know, where, where, you know, where did, where has this come from? You know, if you were to give us a, a bit of a, a backstory as to how you got into this space and your life, perhaps pre-clinical trials and mental health advocacy, uh, et cetera. If you can take us back, Esther, if you will. <laughs> how far back to go? It's always the, the question in my mind when I get that asked that question, but um, <clears throat> I'll go back a, a few decades. And I think that mental health has always been important to me <clears throat> as, a, as a child and, and as a woman growing up. I mean, I think that it's one of those things that back when we were young or when I was younger, it wasn't something that was talked about. Uh, but it's something that we all experienced in one way or another. And uh, my family life wasn't always the easiest. Uh, so I, you know, was always trying to, to find help um, for myself to, to just be a stronger person, stronger child and um, young woman growing up. And that support always came from people that I knew in one way or another. And so I very quickly learned how to get the help that I need from people around me to get through whatever it is that I'm going through. And I also, um, in, in return, uh, became a type of person that was very caring and a lot of compassion for other people. And I, and I love to help other people when I knew how. So um, life takes you into directions that you don't sometimes expect. And I ended up somehow unexpectedly in the clinical research industry uh, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. and starting out when I, um, I lived in Israel and I was working for a company doing health economics research of developing countries, and it sparked my interest in research and, and just healthcare in general. And so, um, so then I moved back to Canada, where, where I'm originally from, and then down into the United States, where I 
started working for PRA Health Sciences in um, a clinical research organization, running clinical trials all over the world. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, I was uh, working primarily in oncology. So for the last 20 years, I I worked uh, leading oncology clinical research. Uh, And then 10 years ago, as the industry shifted into digital research, uh, my new, my old passion of mental health started to come back to me where I saw all these patients, these cancer patients over the last few decades that um, were in clinical trials and for oncology, they're, they're there because that's the only option that they have. Like you don't go into clinical research as a care option for every therapeutic area, but for cancer you do because that's, that's how, how it works. Um, and so I, I noticed something was missing though, like these, these patients, they needed more support in their life than just the treatment, the physical treatment that they were getting. Um, and then I went through my own personal journey with cancer. And then on top of that, um, I had a really good friend who, who died a couple of years ago and she, um, was about my age. She left by, behind a two-year-old daughter and family and friends and husband is really awful. But, um, but I had the good fortune of being such a close friend to her that I was spending um, a lot of time with her before she died. In one of our conversations in those last few weeks, she said to me, she's like, I, I know I'm going to die. And I know that um, everyone sees me as a cancer patient. But what would really be helpful right now is if I had a simpler way of getting the help that I need without it being such a burden on me to get that help. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like memories of childhood and growing up flooded back to me. And I like the, that idea of being able to get the help you need without it being such a burden really resonated with me. And then I thought about all of the cancer patients and all the clinical trials that um, I run and that I'm part of. Uh, and I realized that all of these patients need that so that they can participate in the clinical trial, but also so that they can just have a better quality of life and, and um, be able to feel stronger every day and be able to, to tackle what, um, what is you know, coming at them. So, so I started my company. I was going to say it must have been at that, that sort of moment is where, yeah, that's triggered the idea for, for the company. So how long, just to, to pinpoint um, Estev, so how long ago was that again, you said? Just a little over two years ago, that conversation years. happened, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that that was the conversation, that was the turning point for you that said, actually, I can piece together my, my current experience to my previous yes. background, put the two together and, and do this. Um you know, had you had any experience of kind of being a founder, CEO, running a business at that time? Because um, it's very good, I guess. And a lot of people have these ideas, don't they? But not many people <laughs> are founder, CEO. So what kind of, you know, what was going through your head at that point to say, yeah, okay, I've got this idea. Did you know how to go from A to B at that point? No. No, it was one of those things where I made the decision and I knew I'd figure it out as I went along. Um, it was just me. Um, and I called a friend who was a really good software developer and I said, hey, 
Andrew, I have this idea and I need you to like help me think it through. And he, he really got excited about the idea. And we kind of, we, we started um, researching the idea together just from a technical perspective. Um, so um, so he, was, he was very, very helpful in helping me get the company started in that way. But I, I had no clue what I was doing. My only entrepreneur experience was when I was a kid um, in Canada, we uh, like, did a lot of fishing and um, and I lived in, in a very remote area. And uh, so I saw a need for selling minnows to, to fishermen. And I sold minnows to fishermen when I was a teenager. But then I got caught by the conservation officers because I, I was selling them illegally. Um, so I had to, uh, to change how I was selling minnows um, so that I wouldn't get in trouble. But that, that's a funny story, but it's the only entrepreneur experience I actually have. In PRA, I was an intrapreneur for sure. Mm. Um, I was always like trying to find new solutions to things, but I had resources available to me. I had marketing and I had I uh, had like the, the checks that people would write and help me finance my ideas. And I had tons of support and people to bounce ideas off of. I didn't have to figure out like what font to use in a PowerPoint presentation because I had creative designers. Um, so when I started my company, all of a sudden, like every single tiny little thing that I had taken for granted um, before, I had like tons of tons of support all on me. I would sit at my desk and stare at my computer and just be like, I don't know what shade of blue to use on this PowerPoint right now. <laughs> so. Wow. I, lo- I like that. And hearing that kind of backstory of the entrepreneurship, Adam, like, that's, that's a good one. Certainly not one that I was expecting. Uh, Esther <laughs> didn't know about that whatsoever. But um, clearly, look, you know, you can spot an opportunity. Um, I mean, that one was illegal. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you didn't get in too much trouble for it. Nah. But, you know, now you're looking at a much bigger picture and a, certainly a much bigger pond in, in that kind of the life science space that you're now operating. Um, and it's very clear that some of the early challenges are perhaps little things that you would not have even thought about, as you say, with, with PRA, just tiny little things. So how did you deal with, with that change to start with? Because from going somewhere like you know, a PRA where, you know, as you said, you had so much support, so much back into it just being you. How did you deal with that uh, own mental stress that that brings? Because all of a sudden you, your brain is chopped up and you need to be doing about 20 different things uh, and wearing so many hats. So how did you deal with that personally? I know for me, when I started uh, the business, I was just like, what on earth is going on here? Previously, all I did was, you know, I just recruited. I would get people jobs. It didn't matter where it was. And I would just be, you know, incredible. It was, I was just like, okay, done, next, done, next. It was just amazing. No stress, just, you know, getting really good at what I did. Um, and then all of a sudden, as you say, you're wearing so many hats. So how did you cope with that? Well, I ended up... Um continuing to design the company around what I needed. So getting getting help, uh, peer-to-peer support is the company's like the, the basics of what Bezel is. Mm. And um, and I needed to do exactly that in order to, to be able to be strong enough to, to be a, an, a, an inexperienced founder of this brand new company uh, with an idea that's never been really done before. Mm-hmm. There's peer-to-peer support models out there, um, but this one is very unique. And so I started reaching out to people I got on LinkedIn and like would look for people with interesting profiles and ping them be like, Hey, can we, can we chat? 
I reached back into my uh, network of um, all the people that I had worked with before and I said, hey, can, can we chat? Like, and I just kept saying, can we chat? Can we chat? Um, interestingly enough, when we rolled out our app um, for, for Bezel, the first option on there is, is just chat, reaching out and asking people to just chat. Uh, because it's like, it's the starting point. It's the easy way to get engagement with, with a person to, to support you. And then um, you get the help you need very quickly. So I ended up just living my life, the, the company that I was building. And, and it worked very well, both for me and, and for the company. Wow, I've got wow. a couple of questions for you, Esther. As, you, as you're talking, I mean, there there is there are so many so many things that were pinging around in my mind as you were describing that. I mean, there's an awful lot of effort that goes into to developing any electronic patient recorded outcomes, EDC tool, call it what you will. You know, handheld device. Did you have funding when you started, or was it literally uh, bootstrapping it yourself? Is that where you started? You left your job and you were like, "This is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to just do this." I bootstrapped it. So for the first year, I bootstrapped it. Um, and then I got uh, a couple of people that I knew that um, knew me just personally, and they they believed in me and I got some angel funding. And, um, and I'm continuing to, to bootstrap it right now. We have a, a small revenue stream coming in through some consulting that I'm doing. Uh, and then we have a couple of things that are uh, upcoming in this next couple of months that I know is going to bring in some better revenue, um, but I'm still bootstrapping it. I'm, I am starting to um, go out for a seed round though, because uh, in order to keep the traction going that I now have, um, I'll fail if I don't if I don't get the financial support I need. So I can't. I can only and, bootstrap it to a certain point. <laughs> and that was my thought because there are there are a number of companies that I've been working with over the years who who started in a similar way with a similar good intent. And ultimately, it does come down to that kind of twist or twist or stick, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's the have you got that first contract? Have you got enough coming through the door that's going to suffice to build and develop a platform? Because that's costly. You know, it, it really is, expensive. isn't it? It's it's very expensive. It's very time consuming. And as you're describing, you know, there are so many other things when you're building a business that you need to think about that take more than just one person's working day. You yes. know which is evidently what you're experiencing i would imagine and plus of course if you're juggling that with a day job as well yeah well fortunately this is this is my job this is i'm doing this myself but my uh, i do have a team and they're all juggling this with with a day job because i don't have the funding yet to um to hire them on full time so hopefully in this next couple of months that problem is resolved and they will be full time and will will be able to um really build this forward faster on that esther because I, I remember seeing something from you the other day and i was just like oh nice work on, on linkedin um about your team and, and what you're doing so your team you're you're based over in in the states i think when i first spoke to you, you were in israel perhaps or you were, uh, had been to a conference over there but your team as, as far as i'm aware or some of them are based in the ukraine right now Yes. So I do. My immediate team members are, are in the U.S. I have a couple team members here in the U.S. that uh, we work together very closely. Um, but yeah, my entire development team is in Ukraine. Uh, I partner with a company called Sigma Software and um, they're, they're a U.S. transacted company, but um, a lot of the team members are in Ukraine. So um, I actually went to Ukraine uh, back in November to 
build out a 2022 roadmap with them. Mm. And um, we did have the very difficult conversation at the time. What's the business continuity plan uh, if, if Russia does something more drastic? And we're at one moment, we're sitting in the office and uh, we're having this conversation. All of a sudden, the power went out and uh, we're sitting there in the dark together. And one of the guys said, maybe Russians are here. <laughs> if our business continuity plan needs to like be put to action right now. It was very real, um, even back in November, back for the Ukrainians. So, um, so yeah, so this happened, Ukraine, the war happened just um, a little over a month ago now. I was in Israel when it started. And, um, and then, but there was like maybe a couple days where everybody, it was a bit of a flurry where the team members had to get to safer areas. Some of them left Ukraine and went to other European mm. countries. Um, and then some of them just went over in onto the Western side of Ukraine in Lviv and Sigma set up a, um, an office, a makeshift office in Lviv for their Ukrainian based employees so that they could get back to work. Because what people don't understand in the Ukraine right now is that um, winning the war and keeping their economy going are both equal priorities. So people have to keep working. They don't want to lose our business. They want our team, their team members to continue working and keeping the economy going. And so it suddenly became a huge passion of mine to like not only support them personally, because I was text messaging with them when they were, you know, doing their journeys, moving their families to safety. And it was very terrifying. Um, but it's also just as important to like keep work going. And so um, we started like just continuing our meetings and they were looking more tired every day, but they can, they showed up every single day. And then um, a little over a week ago, one of them said to me, can we deploy Basel in Ukraine now? Like, could we globalize the app? Like, can we turn this in now? We've got a, the starting point of this app. Can we, can we have it? Mm. So, Yes. And they said, well, how soon can we have it? And I said, well, you're my developing team. How, how soon can you can you deploy it? Um, and they got to work right away. We've already reviewed the wireframes and like what it's going to look like. And we'll have it out probably in, in about two or three weeks. Um, and we're, we've built it so that it's going to be translated in Ukrainian, but it can be used anywhere in Europe. So our globalization plan went from 2023 roadmap to 2022 March and April of 2022 Uh, and it's happening we're doing it right this second and it's so exciting wow it's amazing as you describe that because we've recently been speaking to someone else in Ukraine a guy called Yuri Lebed who's the CEO of a company called Pharmaxi that you might be familiar with and and he he also described this as an opportunity which I think was something that James and I hadn't really anticipated from looking in from the outside but but in the manner in which you're describing that, there seems like there is a there is a thirst and a, and a drive in the Ukrainian country to really grab this opportunity and see it as an opportunity and certainly not as anything that's going to stop them in developing and furthering their capabilities. Is that it, it sounds like that's your experience as well, Esther? That's that exactly fair? my experience. That's very fair. Um, I just got off the phone with them two hours ago. I meet with them every single morning and, um, and that's the, the tone they give me every day. It's like, yeah. let's keep going. This is an opportunity for us. Let's now build the, the app in Ukraine. Let's, let's show the world that despite the war, we're amazing people and we're going to 
you know, be part of the world economy. It's and, really and, and that 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 genuinely, I think, surprised both James and I. Not not just in that conversation, but actually since because I've also been in contact almost on a daily basis with Yuri since, because mm -hmm. it was so uplifting and so inspiring to hear that his story, but also the enthusiasm and the energy with which he is approaching this as yes. as just a pure opportunity. And and from conflict and from divert and from adversity comes incredible opportunity. And this is what we hear time and time again. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. That's that's what they want us to see. And that's how we can support them. Everyone uh, that knows that I work with Ukrainians ask me, how can where, where can I give money? How can I support? And like just work with them. Like let's just continue to bring them into our businesses and and give them the support that they need to, to keep their economy going. But they also are very motivated by all of the moral support we're, we're giving them too. And they do love seeing like my, my cousin in Canada just did a fundraiser and that was really cute. And so I pulled that in and wearing her earrings right now. So um, there's just like a lot of little things that we can do to, to help Ukraine. And I'm all in on that. I think, oh, nice. I think we, we are totally aligned around that. I mean, absolutely. Go on, James. Sorry. I was, I was just going to say, look, I mean, it's it's incredible. As you say, you had this mapped out for 2023. All of a sudden, it has kind of hit your doorstep imminently and you've had to act fast. But, you know, it's clear that you've got a good team around you and that entrepreneurial brain of yours has said, OK, look, let's try and turn this adversity into an opportunity. You're straight on top of things, not only kind of, um, giving them support, but also almost riding the wave of their their own level of I don't know confidence. You know, I, I don't know how to, to bottle it. When we spoke to, to Yuri, it was just it was just incredible his um, positivity that was coming from him. And it sounds like you're getting that from your team and just running yeah. with it. So it's it's good to see that. Um, I guess but my question is now perhaps about the app itself. Um, I've not been working in this space for a long time. I've come to realize that there are so many apps that are patient engagement, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how does yours look? How does it work? Uh, what are kind of the, the best things, if you were to brag about it, um, Esther, and I would encourage you to, by the way, because it sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, what are the, the top things about your app that perhaps others aren't doing? So first of all, mine is not to collect data for clinical trial or anything like that, even though that's um, a big part of what we're doing is supporting patients on clinical trials, because that's my background and that's my passion. Mm. But um, really what it comes down to is changing the way, making communication easier. It's changing the way we communicate. So um, if you think about it, communication is the source of how we get the help that we need and how we give help. And so there's lots of ways to communicate right now. Well, you can use text messaging or social media or whatever, or pick up the phone, you can even dial. I think there are dial-up phones still somewhere in the world. But, um, but there's one thing that's still missing in the way that we communicate to get the help you need. And that is to like reduce the anxiety of asking for the help is really hard because asking for help, and as humans, we 
we don't want to bother other people or we want to look strong. We don't think we actually need help from other people. And so if you make the transaction and communication easier to ask for that help, then there's a more chance that you're going to ask for it. So what we've done is we've built it so that when you sign up, when you download the app for Bezel and you register, the first thing that you do is you set up your spheres of support. Mm -hmm. So if I have spheres of support, that could be my neighbors or my best friends or the people that I go fishing with or whatever it happens to be, I put those spheres, I get all my contacts, they all have to, they all have to also be on Bezel. Um, and then I organize my life into those spheres. Um, and then when I need help that with something, I click on a sphere. So if I think back to my, my friend, Lori, who died of, of cancer a few years ago, mm. when she, what she wanted to be able to do is click on the, the sphere that said best friends and just click on it and say, is anyone available to chat? When someone responds, if I had the two of you on a sphere of mine, if one of you responded, the other would see that. I got the response that I needed. I got help. There's not this group text message chain that gets goes back and forth and turns into this cumbersome, like almost annoying beeping thing on your phone because of a conversation that, that you can't get out of. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a very simple transaction of getting the help that you need from your sphere of support and it not being difficult um, and reducing the anxiety. But then on the flip side, to be able to offer help, um, we're building into it um, resources that you can learn how to help other people. So if you have a friend that has cancer, uh, then you can look at the resources for people who have cancer and be like, oh, I can send chicken soup to them. Like that's way better than sending them a cap for the hair that they're losing. Or, you know, there, there's just like some very simple things that we can do to offer help. And you don't have to anymore say, let me know what you need um, if you need help. The, the third part that we love um, in the app is the buddy check, which it's a customized feature. So I can like make sure that even though I'm really busy as a CEO and founder of my company, I can go in and set a buddy check and not forget to, to call my mom or, you know, to call my friend that I know needs help for whatever he or she is going through. So it's just, it's just simplifying communication. It's not rocket science. Um, but, but to, to design an app that is very easy to use is very, very difficult. And that's where we've invested a lot of time and money. Um, the last thing I want to say about that is we just launched a, a clinical trial of our own to, um, test it with a group of cancer patients, uh, in, and, um, we were doing the training site that we're doing this with last week. And this, and I got very emotional about this because the, the site managers, they, they were testing it with each other. And one of the ladies said, wow, this is so intuitive. This is incredibly easy to use. And I was like, it only took us a year and a half to get it there, but <laughs> yes, it's, it's designed to be easy. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. It looked like you were, you were going to pitch in with a question there. I know, I, 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 I've, I've got loads of thoughts again, whizzing around my head with regards to this. So, so it's a communication tool because it sounds like a communication tool, but at the same time, my, my question is, you know, I've, I've got my, I've got my team, right? So <laughs> I've got my team. I've got my three best buddies on a WhatsApp group. And funnily enough, it's called, it's good to talk. That's what I called that chat. And we check in regularly. We share things regularly and they're my team and I'm their team. 
more importantly. You know, we're all there for one another. So what is the differentiator between that and a WhatsApp group? Or do, do you see where I'm coming from? In other words, mm -hmm. what, what's, the, what's the secret sauce? What's the brilliance in, in Bezel that isn't WhatsApp or free or something else that's out, outwardly available to people? That's what I'm yeah, that's that's a really good question because I've had to really think that through myself and make sure that what I'm building is not just a replication or like maybe a different form of, of what's already out there. So I'm also um, on some of those group chats with different different um, groups of friends. Um, I just moved to Arizona and there's a group of in the neighborhood that I live they invited me into their bubble group. And this bubble group is like about eight people living in this neighborhood that I'm now living in. And, and it's a group text. And uh, it's similar, like WhatsApp is would do the same thing. So during the day, I get distracted by like these little cute, fun, like everybody's sharing everything with everybody all the time. Um, and um, so our bubble group is always, you know, having conversations with each other. Uh, but the difference is, is two things. One is um, what Basil is creating is more of a, a simplified way of getting the help you need without um, interrupt, like, uh, interrupting people's day. So I do get a lot of text messages from my bubble group and I love them. It's fun, but it's not the group that I'm going to reply to and say, hey, could somebody drive me to the hospital today? Um, because I know that I'm going to like bother people and then it's going to turn into, I'll get you, I'll get you, I'll like what time and like, it'll just turn into this distracting conversation. But if I use bezel and ask the bubble group, if somebody can give me a ride to the hospital, then as soon as somebody responds, everybody else sees I've got the help I need. And there doesn't need to be all of this cumbersome back and forth anymore. So it's, um, it, it yeah. sounds like one call to action, one action, yeah. one response. So it, it is. It's, it's, it's directing that response. And the other part of the question I had, Thank you for answering that, by the way. The other part of the question I had was really with regards to that clinical trial piece, because as you're describing it, I'm thinking about quality of life measures, happiness yes. index, all of those kind of things that you're probably, no doubt, underlaying and underpinning that in a clinical, in a clinical trial setting. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're using the, the cancer patients that are using our app right now. Um, there's a couple things we're looking for. We have half the patients that are um, using all the functionality in the app. Um, all of the patients are getting two things. One is uh, a mental strength score that we've um, in the form of questionnaires that we've developed ourselves. Um, and also um, a mood tracker, a daily mood tracker. And then um, in addition to okay. that, we're working with the investigator to um, see the compliance of their, to their treatment schedule. And, um, and then of course their own cancer related depression is measured too. So we have quite a few measures um, on this trial that we're, we've built into it. So, so I won't join your development group just at the moment, but I'm glad you've got all those, all, all those things covered. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's good to see you smiling about how things are, are going and that you mentioned a, a second ago where you were speaking to kind of one of the users and they had you know explained about how easy and intuitive it was to, to use you know is that perhaps one of the, the biggest success stories of bezel so far because your, your face kind of lit up as you said it um, so I'm just wondering if that is one or if there's any others that are perhaps worth mentioning, because, yeah, I love hearing the, the stories of success, you know, from that, those early days of thinking, 
oh no, I, I've got to wear 20 hats and I, I have no real kind of <laughs> entrepreneurship business you know, experience in that kind of startup sense to, yeah, hearing it, how it's going now. Um, yeah, what would you say have been the kind of the biggest story of su- success and, and how did it make you feel as much as anything? So that's definitely one of the biggest because um, one of our core values is to always keep it simple. As soon as as soon as something becomes complicated, um, we know we're down the wrong track. Mm. Making it easy is is a core value of the company. So when she said that, I I was like, okay, we're we're like achieving one of our core values. Um, then um, the other one is the fact that I'm here right now talking about this we're deploying an app in ukraine to to support ukrainian refugees across europe Mm. i have a clinical trial um started and um and i have um two big partnerships that i can't use names on right now but i am positive in another month or two i'll be able to announce those names and um and it all started back like two years ago before covid um when i was like I I know that this is an idea that's going to work and it's actually happening wow quick question on that um and I've just got got me thinking like listen to kind of that that journey and you saying kind of two years back how do you think your friend that you lost unfortunately to to cancer at the time how do you think she would feel what what do you think she would say about this because I'm sure she must be sitting up there thinking wow like she must be so proud of you and that must kind of you know be something at the back of your mind thinking how you know how do you think she would be looking at this well I've talked to her husband since I started this company and um talked to him a few times and I know that he is incredibly um proud as well and so um yeah it goes without saying that we know that she would be really happy to see that we were able to take something that didn't work for her but make it work for other people yeah no that must uh, as I say like, I can only imagine that that just must bring its own intrinsic value to, to what you're doing as much as you know all of the support you're going to bring to everyone else that must feel kind of amazing uh, and look what you know what would you say have you have learned about yourself it sounds like there's been a hell of a ride some of it planned other bits unplanned um you know what have you learned about yourself along the way well I've always considered myself to be a very strong person resilient and um somebody that is able to to see a path forward through some of the most difficult things um one thing that you probably don't know about me is I ride motorcycles and I love riding dirt bikes. One of the things that I love about riding dirt bikes is that if you focus on all the rocks and the roots and the trees and everything coming at you, um, you're going to hit the rocks and the trees and the roots and you're going to you're going to crash. Mm. Um, but if you focus on the path, um, you're going to find that path. So I have that core value and belief um, as just a person. It's in my DNA. Uh, but what I've really learned about myself is I actually do have the strength. Um, to to find that path um, only because of the people that are supporting me uh, in this journey. And I, I am beyond humbled at the amount of support that I've been getting from people reaching out saying, can I just be part of it? Can I just, can I join your company for free? I'll, I'll do whatever you need. And at a certain point, it almost becomes um, distracting and like difficult because then you have people to manage that 
just want to help and have good intentions, but it's not helpful. But then you have like a ton of people that want to, that, that actually are helpful. And so finding those people and pulling this together, you find that path and um, it's like the stronger together uh, is, is really the, the part that, that I've learned the most. Like I'm a strong person individually, but I'm way stronger with other people. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, Adam has lost, we seem to have lost your sound a little bit there. I'm smiling as you're saying that, Esther, because as you're speaking, again, your face is lighting up, but it's clear that your infinite purpose is there. You've got your drive, you've got your motivation, you know why you're doing this. And every yeah. day you get up, you're clearly doing it for the right intentions. And anything that we all do that follow those intended paths and with this best possible outcome for others so that they don't experience what you've experienced with your friend, is driven by by a place of good isn't it and and as i hear you speaking some of the language that you use really describes the fact that it sounds to me like you have an awful lot of personal awareness as well you know you know what matters to you you know your core values you know your principles and you're following them and and your work and your professional professional personal is is completely aligned and that's why i think you're smiling as you're talking about it yeah uh, I'll just agree to that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do I'm, know I'm I, uh, smiling my values. <laughs> I, I was smiling because you're right. I did not know about the dirt biking, um, Esther. So I just think that's a pretty cool fact. You know, <laughs> I often when, you know, looking at guests, you know, a lot of people approach me, but often I, you know, I reached out to, to you and it's because I, I see someone's profile. I take a, a liking to it um, and I reach out. But yeah, you know, this behind the scenes thing of, the entrepreneurship of selling minnows to fishermen, you know, that rebellious <laughs> kind of character and spotting that opportunity to ride in dirt bikes. But then, you know, the other side of things to building this med tech app, you know, it's just incredible. So look, I'm very, very impressed. And I like anyone who's got a bit of something about them. It doesn't matter what it is, but, you know, it's not just all textbook, 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 entrepreneur, you know, that's boring. It's been done so many times over. So yeah, I'm glad that you've shared that with us. Um, and look, talk to us now about, you know, the plans moving forward. So kind of it's, it's hit your doorstep much sooner than what you expect in terms of the app rollout to, to Ukraine and, and, and Europe. You know, where are you seeing Bezel over the next 12 months, 18 months? You mentioned a potential couple of partnerships a moment ago that you can't name yet. So I won't push you on, on that. But, you know, what is that perhaps going to look like and what will that mean to you? So um, in 2022, um, we're going to focus on doing what we do well, and that is making sure that the app is easy to use and that there's engagement in using it. So we're rolling out some additional features that are going to come in a series of, of pushes in this next um two months. And, um, and then we're also going to um, do a really good job for the, the partnerships that we're developing right now and for Ukrainian refugees and just try to do that well. We have a lot of incredible ideas that we want to also do. And so alongside that, we're going to do some R&D to, uh, to look be able to know what our 2023 roadmap is going to look like. And we've got some really cool um, ideas that uh, involve machine learning where we can like start predicting um, what people need and be able to get proactive support to them. And, uh, and I'm really excited about some of those simple features that will just enhance that simplicity of communication that people can already use. So 
trying to keep it simple is, is really the goal right now and do a really good job and, and impress our, our partners. I like that. And I think one of our other guests that's been on the show several times, Scott Stout, um, Adam, often says to me, and I, I've rem- remembered it ever since he was first on, and that is that simplicity, simplicity is the ultimate complexity. Um, so getting something simple is is tough. So the fact that that is one of your core values is yeah really good because everyone everyone loves simplicity and raves about it all the time. Yet you see some of these things that you, know, you think at what point did you think that that was simple? <laughs> it's like where did that all go wrong? So look, I'm pleased to hear that. Um, so we'll certainly be keeping an eye on yourself, uh, Esther, and Bezel as things progress, and it'll be good to see yeah what pans out. Uh, as the rollout continues there. But look, before we let you jump off, we always close the show uh, with a quick fire question round. Um, And I guess you've given a a quick hint as to some of the things outside of work now, but it'd be interesting to to run through these anyway. And I'll I'll kick us off about, you know, what would you say is the uh, best piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Well, my younger self uh, had a lot of inner dialogue and best piece of advice I'd like to look back to to her and say is um, stop overcomplicating life. You're <laughs> let, you, just just go with it because you're not going to be able to predict what, what's going to happen. Cool. I like it. I like it a lot. It's a great answer. Um, we, we always ask our guests also, you know, their number one resource, resource or book that they may have on their bedside at the moment. Is there one particular resource that you go to that's giving you that inner drive to take it to the next level at the moment? <laughs> so <laughs> contrary to what uh, most people, most entrepreneurs would, would answer that with is I actually don't read books a lot because I have a lot of brain damage myself. So I don't, I don't read and absorb easily. Um, I have conversations with people. That's what I do. So I have spent a lot of time developing my network of of resources. um, And I let them do the reading and then tell me what they've learned so that I can continue to learn from it. So develop resource network and make that as important as, as, as your job. And it's so hand in hand with the, with the app and the idea and everything. It all ties in. I like that. Um, Esther, but as you say, and kind of like Adam's WhatsApp group that he's got with his buddies, it's good to talk. It is good to yes. talk. Amazing. Well, it sounds as though, yeah, business is going well. Um, I guess at times, I'm guessing perhaps better than even expected, or maybe you did uh, expect it. Uh, but look, you're sense. no doubt going to be in a, in a position where you are going to you know, continue to grow. You've got people throwing them, themselves trying to work with you as it is, but what are the top three qualities that you value most when looking to build teams, whether you've done it previously at PRA or, you know, and, but more so for your plans moving forward at Bezel. Yeah. Building teams is, is um, a passion of mine because I think that's where your strength really is. I've got personal strengths, but I also always recognize my own weaknesses and the gaps that I need come from the people that I bring around me. And um, so I like to have people that balance me out. Um, I've got one personality, but I need somebody that kind of checks that too. And so um, building teams, three things that I, that I do to build a team. First, I, I know my own gaps and I fill those. Second is I know my own passion and I match that with 
people. If, if they don't have the same passion um, as, as I do, then it's not going to work because I'm just going to be frustrated with them all the time. We need to have the same passion. Mm-hmm. Third is we need to all know what the vision is, what that North Star is, and have a rule on how to achieve it. Um, rules are really important when meeting a North Star because they keep you on track. And um, when you build a team, align on that North Star and, and you can't go wrong. Okay, cool. Interesting. I'm going to push you though on cool. those those qualities because again, it's a lot around surrounding yourself. So what are the, the top um, qualities that you would say that they, those people need to share with you so perhaps almost switching the question here to, you know, the, the, the qualities that you want from yourself and from your team. If you were to pinpoint the three, Esther, whether so, it's integrity, uh, yeah. you know, kind of that, that drive, what, you know, what are the three qualities them, themselves if we were to pinpoint this? Because I guess other people tuning in want to know, yeah, kind of just, just want to be nosy and, and know what, what, what you put the value on. Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that I do and is um, important to me is to be able to make quick decisions. And in my role, I have to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, but my partner, Liz, she uh, is the chief operating officer and the head of product for, for Bezel. Mm-hmm. Um, she is much more detail oriented and she makes sure that the data are there to support the decision we're making. And I really love that about her and I need that. So we we balance each other very well as um, partners in this company because mm-hmm. she kind of keeps me like we have the same core value in terms of keeping things simple. We have the same North Star, but in terms of how we make decisions, she she balances that um, off of me. And then um, Nick, rational decision making, yeah. that decisiveness. But then yeah, like I will just barrel forward. It. I'll like sit it. in a call, and be like, "This is what we're doing. This this is how we're going to do it, and and let's do it right now." She's like, "Hold hold on, Esther," <laughs> and I love that she does that to me because otherwise we probably would have made a lot more decisions a lot more quickly and then had to abandon them because I did the I was thinking about them too quickly and not like with the the same polish that she gives them um so so that's really really important to, for me to have that person in my in my life because I, I need to become better at it but it's nice having her there to keep me there um, and then the other is, um, is being a little bit bolder. Like I, I'm a very fast decision maker, but Nick, he is, um, my director of customer success and he is just really good at talking to a customer and very quickly understanding the needs of that customer and being able to, um, help solution with, them um, much faster than I am. Like I will understand their needs pretty quickly, but he's just like, I don't want to use the word salesperson because that people like can almost use a negative connotation, but a help problem person. solver. Help person yes. is how I was looking at it. Kind of he's, quite empathetic. He's, yeah. And he's got a confidence about him that you know that he, in his head, he's thinking, we don't quite have this solution yet, but I know in an hour we will. And so he can talk it through with a level of confidence and get there and then make sure that delivery happens with it um, really well. And I think that's a quality that I need um, to like uh, learn to work on for myself is I have that confidence to be able to talk to people, but I'm a little bit more reserved when, when I know things like still need to be developed and that that's a good balance too. But he's, he's just like, he'll sit with a customer and be like, 
all right, this is the solution. Let's, let's make it happen. And then it happens. Great stuff. Adam, over awesome. to you, my man. <laughs> awesome. Well, we, we've heard about dirt biking and, and um, I, I'm wondering outside of, outside of work, when you're not dirt biking, what's, what's your other, have you got any other favorite hobbies or passions that you enjoy doing? Oh yeah, I've, I've got lots of them, but um, in the moment, riding motorcycles is a big one. I, I'm a runner. Um, yesterday, uh, midday, I was overwhelmed with a lot that was just coming at me at one time and, and from all different directions. I had a pitch deck that needed to go out last night and it just, there is a lot. Um, and uh, so I just took a break. I went for a run, came back in an hour and like uh, my head was clear, got that big old glass of water and just went back at it. So I love running. Um, and then um, uh, I used to be a skydiver as well. So I like, I like adventure. <laughs> I used to do a lot of skydiving, uh, did it for about six years. And uh, a lot of the contacts that I made skydiving, believe it or not, are the ones that are helping me with my company now because skydiving comes from um, a lot of different communities there's lawyers and doctors and you know accountants and I, I bet they're all decided when they when they count down they go right, <laughs> right. <laughs> in skydiving we we say you know you you um, plan the jump and you jump the plan so I hold that in my business as well I plan the jump and I jump the plan because otherwise awesome. you could die <laughs> Esther, I love that. Another another little surprise to throw in there. Dirt biking, skydiving. Oh, brilliant. Well, <laughs> Esther, um, you, I guess, yeah, you encompass a lot of good values. You talk, yeah, a lot of sense. Um, you know, it seems that you're very diverse, both inside and outside of, of business. Um, so look, to, to our final question, what would you say is your number one golden rule for both life and business? Well, I knew you were going to ask that question. And originally I was going to say, keep things simple because that's the, the theme of, of what we've been talking about and the theme of my company. Um, but I'd also like to, to add that um, I would like to always encourage people that you're stronger with, with other people. Cool. I like it. Well, Esther, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, as I said before, that we'll be eagerly anticipating what's next for, for Bezel and, and keeping an eye on that. Um, I know that I reached out to you via LinkedIn, but for any of our audience who are keen to hear more about you, the business, um, you know, potential investors, anything like that, what is the best way to reach out to you and get hold of you? LinkedIn is always a great way. So if you find me on LinkedIn, um, then definitely reach out, even if you don't know me or don't have another contact to um, introduce you to me. But um, Esther at bezel.com, E-S-T-H-E-R at B-E-Z-Y-L.com uh, is, is another great way. Fantastic. Well, uh, Esther, pleasure having you on the show. Thanks again for being part of the Huxley Morton podcast. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure.